Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet here, and on this week's episode, I got with me Brandon Chin. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing good. Glad to hear from you, Mike. I'm glad to hear from you too. So, for those of us, you know. And the listeners that don't know Brandon, kind of give us an idea of who Brandon is. I mean, I've known you. I mean, I met you on my first Spartan, so it's been a few years. So but let everybody else know who who is Brandon. Well, it really depends because to everybody, I I can be something else. I could be the person that introduced you to Beast OCR at a random race where you weren't sure that you were going to race with someone or by yourself. I could be a person that you've met at a uh, at an expo. Um, talking about Spartan, thinking about racing, and you have a bunch of reservations, and I just figure out that these are things that you can overcome. I could be the SGX coach that was at your workout tour that you saw either Montana, Idaho, Seattle, or Portland. Um, I mean, it's really hard to say. I could even be your SGX coach from your first race wearing nothing but the Superman shirt, which uh, I could also just be that crazy guy that you saw running all over the place in the Superman shirt uh, at any well, rate, uh, but... oh, there's pants. There's always pants. It's just uh, how much so pants is left by the end of the race. Shirt. I mean, <laughs> I've seen you run, go to run a race in your underwear. So I mean, I've been there only once, and that is still to this day the only race that I did not use my Superman shirt. Every race has been yeah. in a Superman shirt, except for that, which is okay because that was a Beast OCR shirt. Uh, compliments from yeah. my friend Brian Gaze. Yes, and and no pants. Just so, so clear. that's why uh, again compression, compression underwear, just like bite shorts. There's no different. Oh, I know, I know. I just wanted to clarify that there was no pants. So. There was no pants. Actually, I was uh, I, just a couple of months before that is when the movie Captain Underpants came out. So for the longest time, I was Brandon Captain Underpants. After that little stunt, that was pretty good though. For those that don't know, that was well, Montana seventeen. Was it yeah, no, it was uh, the Montana Sprint 2017. After doing the beast the day before, I was just wrecked, and I didn't want to do the sprint. And you know what happens when and you sit at a spot yeah. race too long? Yeah. You, you I mean, I would, you want to do another one. I, well, I was registered, and it was just like, uh, I didn't bring my race clothes. I left it at the house. I woke up, and I'm like, I'm not racing today. And then I sat there for a couple hours, and then it was just like, I kind of want to race. And then everybody else was like, well, when are you going out? I'm like, no, I need a shirt. And of course, Brian looks at me and he goes, he just pulls the shirt off his back and literally goes, here you go. And then it's like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. Let me see if I can even still get a packet. So I literally, I run all the way to registration. I grab a packet and I have like 10 minutes to get into the last heat. And Jeff just got done racing. He was going to let me use his shorts and they were about to release the last scene. I have no idea where Jeff's at. And it's just like, screw it. I can't wait. And so I just booked it. And apparently everybody was already narrating for me on my way there going, where's he going? Where's he going? Where's he going? Yep. He's going to go race in his underwear. We pretty much knew as soon as you left the street team tent, that's where you were at. But so (laughs) we we, we knew. Yeah. You guys all knew. Oh yeah. Another thing that Brandon doesn't mention is that you're also a Sifu, so I said that right, right? Sifu? Yeah, it is pronounced Sifu. And what some it, it's different to some people. Uh, Sifu is the literal Chinese translation of master, and and the form that we use it is referring to Kung Fu only, that yes. you are able to teach. Now, 
for some people who don't know, the levels of martial arts are different. There's always a belt system or a family system. We don't have belts. We have a family hierarchy. I will never be higher than anybody who started before me because they started the school before me, so they're always going to be above yeah. me. However, my dad is, uh, let's see, and my father is the founder of the Kung Fu school from back in the 60s, which even though school started back in the 60s, um, the Sifu title has only been awarded to a total of 11 people. I was the 10th. Nice. So you beat your It took me a long time. Uh, I I got it before him, but not by much. <laughs> yeah. I just knew that you both got it, like, right, right there, you know, came, not too far away from each other. In the same room, but not at the yeah. same time. I came first. I don't know if it's because of alphabetically or based on skill. Either way, my brother technically is older than me, so technically he started training before me. So in the family hierarchy, he's still already at a higher degree than I am, even if I am better, yeah. which only skill can tell. Oh, wait, now. I'm not going to say anything. I know you're both. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's still, it takes a lot of work. I'll, I'll be honest. It's not like my dad gave me that title when I was in my teens. I mean, I didn't get it until I was 32 or 31. Wow. Oh, crap. I'm not and even sure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's one of those things. I mean, it's cool, though, that, you know, I mean, I've done martial arts in the past. Um, some people know that. And um, the martial arts that I was in, I mean, you had to earn you know, your belt. Um, and then I have done martial arts after that, where it was pretty much like, it seemed like the belts were just handed out because you were there. And to know that, you know, your dad was, was a Sifu and didn't give it to you until you were in your thirties shows that he made sure that you and your brother earned it. It was, just oh, I because you were, yeah. Oh yeah. Because well, you, actually, were, you, know, so, you were his kid. So, so my dad he actually sure would be referred to as C. Joe. C. Joe. Okay. And it's because he's founder, which um, Dai is the word for like great or big. And Dai Sigung is usually what everybody refers him to because he's like your master's master's master. So it's like, you know, it's like the bigger uncle of the bigger uncles. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. I just want to make sure that, you know, everyone knew that you were a seafood too, so that you weren't just... Oh, I usually get that a lot too. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is between the two of them, I've, I've worked most of my life to mastering, um, my style of martial arts to get my title. And, um, being an SGX coach is something I, I do a lot more. I'll be honest for a long time growing up. I wrote on the coattails of my father saying that I wanted to make, uh, my legacy, my mark in martial arts, just like my dad did, which I'll never be yeah. good as my dad. I'm perfectly uh, happy admitting that now. Um, but my legacy is more doing the coaching stuff. Um, I really enjoy doing the coaching stuff. And what some people think is that being a coach is just a person who goes around and tell people what to do. It's a lot more than that. And it, it's oh, yeah. sad that um, there's not more people out there who take it serious either. Being a coach is, especially a Spartan SGX coach, which, yes, there's a rigorous test or you can go online and do all the training. I did my, um, my workshop at Dallas stadium in 2016. And I tell you, I'm so happy I did it there. It was one of the biggest high esteem honors that I've done in my life. That is one of the greatest achievements. I continue to be an SGX coach, which, um, I mean, being an SGX coach, you could easily just fall off and say, uh, I did it once I'm done with it. Yeah. No, I mean, you're good. I mean, and there's lots of people that do that. I mean, it's one of the things there. There's a lot of people that their goal is to become an SGX coach, not to actually be one, 
Where I mean, well, you're actually more. You became an SGX coach, but you want to be the best SGX coach that you can be. Well, I think the problem is a lot of people think it's, they think SGX coach is a, a title to get. And honestly, being an SGX coach is not a title. It's yes, it's it's a uh, it's something that I am. But at being an SGX coach, I am always learning and I'm always looking to be a better coach. And every single time I do anything with coaching, I look at what can I do better next time or what could I have done better this last time. I, I'm constantly yeah. growing myself intentionally. And again, some people aren't, aren't 100% familiar with what SGX coaches. Uh, for those who don't know, so Spartan SGX stands for Spartan Group Exercise. Now, and the fundamentals of everything are exactly what every Spartan needs to be uh, honed in on. You know, your nutrition, your philosophy, your attitude, your your tenacity, um, your your athleticism. It's everything kind of tied into one. And what an SGX coach really is um, trained to do is, uh, like you and me, let's go outside. You want an SGX coach to help dial in your training, your nutrition, or whatever it is. Well, what I would personally do is first, I'd go out there, I'd test the waters and see what do you have under control? What needs modification to go ahead and get you where you want to be? And my biggest thing is is to not just tell you how to do it. It's to teach you how to grow. Um, one of the biggest things that I completely advocate to everybody in every single fashion is that whatever works for some people doesn't work for everyone. And that that goes along with nutrition. It goes with training, but it it goes with uh, hand in hand. Um, uh, it goes with the philosophy that what one person does is not meant for everyone. Yes, you can go on YouTube and you can find training tips, but unless you have somebody who's actually working with you to grow you, those tips and tricks and everything, they're only as good as you perceive it. And on top of that it may not be cut out for you. You may be watching a person who's um, five foot 10 and they're doing certain tips and tricks, but you're a person who's five foot two. And it's like, well, this doesn't pertain to me because obviously I don't have that same wingspan. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I think that's one of the problems that you run into a lot is a lot of these YouTube videos and even some of the, you know, the ones that you can get off the internet, some of the, the videos you can order and stuff, they're cookie cutter, if that's the right word. Yes. It's a cookie cutter workout that says, this is a workout that works for, you know, 70% of the population. So here we go, cookie cutter, here you go. We're going to send that to everyone. Well, it's going to work for those 70%, but those other 30% are like, okay, this did nothing for me. And I think that's what's great about an SGS, XGX coach like you is <laughs> that you – see those out of 30% and you figure out what works for them. I mean, you find things that work for the individual, not the group. Exactly. And I think that's what's awesome. I, Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I've done small groups of coaching as well, which, I mean, it still works. Yeah. There's a, there's still a very large dynamic that you can do um, with group coaching, which I really like because uh, it, it, have you, if you've ever heard of West coast obstacles, their trainings oh, yeah. are great. Um, and then even even the trainings that we do with Beast OCR, a lot of the trainings are really good. Uh, the reason why I mentioned West Coast Obstacles is because almost every we single all love training. We all love Jesse. We all love his team. I mean, they're, they're the yeah. best. They look out for us. But the best part is that they have not just shown us techniques. Um, we always find techniques to work with each other. 
And and that's what I love. That's one of the things I love the most is not just being able to figure out how to do it yourself. It's how to do it with or for someone else. Because if you go to a training and you say, well, I don't need help on walls. Well, just because you don't need help on walls doesn't mean that there's not going to be a guy next to you struggling. And you might have a, a shred of decency and say, let me help you. And then you do something, um, you slip or you you do something because you weren't paying attention to what's the best way to help somebody else. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the thing is, too, is like you think about West Coast Obstacles is one of the things that's always been great there. And like you said, with Beast Obstacle Course, you know, the, the workouts of the day is also um, you find different ways of doing it. You have multiple people of people there that are willing to help people and show you different ways. It's like you look at the wall. If you watch Jesse go over the wall, Jesse goes over the wall a different way than I would. Or than oh, you would. yeah. So, so it's you can watch different people at different levels and see how they go over the wall. Jesse goes over the wall and does almost a flip as he goes over the wall, which I, there, there's no way that the wall or me are going to support my body. Um, but for me, I flip up and I'll throw a leg up onto it and I use my legs as the power point to pull my body up and over. You know, so, I mean, it's completely opposite, completely different, but at the West Coast Obstacles, they try and teach both ways. And also any other ways, you know, people that just pull themselves up and, you know, do, you know, with their upper body. I mean, it's, there's multiple ways to do each one of these obstacles and each one of these exercises. And that's what's great about, you know, both of those groups is the fact that they, they teach multiple ways of doing these things and try and make well, sure that really, everybody is incorporated. What you really want is the most amount in your arsenal of of techniques and bag of tricks as you possibly want. Because the beautiful yeah. thing about it all is that, um, and I've done it too before where I've raced, and then I, I, there's a certain way I like to tackle certain obstacles, but I'll admit it, after a while, certain muscles get tired. So what do you yeah. do once you started cramping up? And all of a sudden, you don't want to use your leg in that fashion. So you have to find a new way. Some people call it modification. But if you've been training yourself to do things multiple ways, then what you've done is you've already given yourself a whole different set. On top of that, there are obstacles that you'll start doing. And then in the middle of the obstacle, you'll switch your method because you just realized what you're doing isn't working. And I mean, um, two obstacles specifically that I am thinking of are... Uh, one is wet monkey bars. Uh, it's one of a lot yes. of people's dreaded obstacle. And that's the mm-hmm. one that a lot of people say, well, there's only really one way to do it. There's not, there's so many different ways. And no, there's I'll tell you this, right. And I'll tell you this, I've done the wet monkey bars every single time and I still get through it. But here's the thing. I will admit, I don't do it the same way because every time, uh, my grip might change a little bit on top of that. Um, the way that the bars are, they might be a little more staggered. They might be, they might be more wet than usual. And on top of that, it's just, you got to figure it out. And if you have to switch it in the middle of what you're doing, make it switch because you're doing a better technique, not because it's unfamiliar. I've I've had people try in the middle of races, which, which is really hard to do a certain technique and then they switch back to their old technique, but their old technique didn't work before. And that would be the issue. And see, for me, like for monkey bars, for me, normally the best way for me to do it, I've always found one, I end up every, my hands end up on every bar, like at the same time, if that makes sense. I'll reach out with one, grab the bar, bring the other hand to it, grab one, bring the hand, the other hand to it. But every once in a while, when they're wet, sometimes that doesn't work as well. But also you run into problems that Spartan likes to put the bars farther apart and up. And sometimes my wingspan isn't enough 
to be able to do that, where I've literally got to let go with both hands. And that's where, you know, you have to learn to adapt. You adapt to the situation and go. And if you don't, you know, and that's what's great about, like, all these obstacle courses, you know, courses, is you have to adapt to them or you're going to fail the obstacle. Another obstacle. I I love how they switch them. Uh, another obstacle that I really want to focus on that is uh, actually the barbed wire crawl because everybody everybody says just roll, but I hate to say it. Oh, no. Are you always able to roll when there's rocks or when there's a big old divot? Uh, and, uh, plus, have you ever caught yourself while rolling on the barbed wire before? Yeah. It, actually, I know you have. I know you have. I have really broad shoulders. <laughs> I've got really broad shoulders. So when my shoulder, like my left shoulder is on the ground and my right shoulder is up, it's actually a pretty good distance. And I have multiple times <laughs> caught that, caught the, 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 caught it as I roll. So that's one of the reasons. Plus I get nauseous when I roll. So I crawl. Almost and every that's time. another thing. You, that's why it's always good to have more than one method. I, I, and I teach people because a lot of people are like, well, I hear rolling is the best method. I go, well, I won't say it's the best method. It's a method if you want. Yeah. A lot of times I tell people, go ahead, start rolling. If something doesn't feel right or if you keep, you know, cutting yourself up on rocks or, uh, or you keep attaching yourself to goat hits because you're going too fast and you're not paying attention, um, mm-hmm. depending on your venue, then I tell a lot of people to stop. And then start switching to maybe a crawl, either a bear crawl or an army crawl. I know people who do army crawls faster than some people can do rolling. And then I know some people who do bear crawls a lot faster than they do. But the problem is, is you have to adjust to your course. And that's yep. the thing. The number one thing is you have to understand you, you, you're never going to use the same technique for every single race. It's just not going to yep. work. No matter how you, no matter how you try to say that. I'm, the one, uh, the one um, obstacle that I promise I teach differently than anybody else, and I, I have had success with a lot of people making it for their first time, is the spear throw. I teach spear throw very differently, and it could just be based on verbiage or the way that – but when I'm one-on-one with a person, that's one of those obstacles that really you have to hone in you specifically. But the thing is, um, it is. even, when, even when, when you're on a different course – you get spears that are muddy. Have you ever had to throw a muddy spear? Oh yeah. It takes yeah. a lot to get into it. And then even so, if your spear is not muddy, if the course is muddy, cause I know a lot of people who like to step in and get that extra power. Well, what are you going to do if you don't have any room to step in for it or the course is flooded? Like I said, you have to be able to adapt to all your surroundings. But like yes, I said, the spear throw is just one of those obstacles that I, I'm always very happy and proud to teach it because it's one of those uh, a lot of people are really intimidated and then they watch videos online and it just doesn't work. But I've had a very, very high success rate with teaching people spear throw. So that's the one thing I pride, I pride myself on more than any other obstacle. Yeah, and that's a, that's, what, that's a tough one. And, I mean, going back to what you were saying about, like, the, the barbed wire crawl is depending on height, like I said, because my shoulders are really broad, me rolling – I can't get under some of the ones that others can while rolling. Oh, and depending oh, on how high the word. okay, I have issues. <laughs> Thank you. I have issues <laughs> getting under ones. Sure. I have yeah. issues getting under ones that are that are. I mean, I can get under them, but I tear myself up. So it, it's not a good method for me to use on some of them. But I mean, I've been on barbed wire crawls where army crawls the only chance you have because they are so low. Um, I can't remember. I think it was Montana two years ago two or three years ago, where the way they set it up, the barbed wire crawl was so low 
that the only there was no chance of rolling. If I was to roll, I was going to wrap myself up in the barbed wire. So the only chance I really had to get it without tearing myself up was to army crawl. There was no bear crawl. I've been on ones that were high enough up that you could bear crawl. I've been on ones, they've had them in Seattle multiple times where you could pretty much swim through them. But, you know, it's, you got to be ready for each instant. There are ones that you can roll. There are ones that you can bark. So, you know, you can bear crawl. There's ones that you have to army crawl. There's no choice. So, I mean, there's a choice, but if you want to keep yourself from bleeding for the rest of the course, you should probably army crawl. But the spears is another one, like you said, that different people, different people have different ways. For me, usually the, the, the spear throw is one of my better obstacles. So, I mean, I'm good at the, the heavy lifting ones and the, the spear throw. So, Yep. I mean, you figured out what worked for you. That's the biggest thing. And you keep yeah. doing it, don't you? Yeah. Although the and only time that's, that's not going to work is when there's a hiccup or there's a change of scenery or whatnot. But you've been practicing to do it different ways. Yes. You know, different courses, different ways. I mean, we've, you know, you've done the spirit throw. We've done it in Montana where, you know, you're up in the middle of nowhere and it's not too bad. It's dry, but it's way up there. Hawaii where it was humid and whatever. And then you've got Seattle where everything, everything is covered in mud and water. So, I mean, you, you just kind of get used to it, figure out how to do it. So what are you doing? Are you typing? I am. I actually am working with a friend online right now about better ways for him to save money on his races. And he was like, well, I have oh, a, a free race. Oh, yeah. Well, we do this. I'm, this is like a regular thing for me. Honestly, I'm like my own personal little tech line at times. But I got a friend who's got a 50% off code and a, uh, a race voucher. And he goes, well, do I use it on the trail run or do I use it on the beast? He says, if I use the 50% code off the beast, I save more money because, you know, you slash the beast in half and then I do the trail run for yeah. free. But I, but I just let him know, no, if you use your race voucher on the beast, you completely save all that money, and then your trail run, you're only paying half that trail run. It's better to do it this way. Save yourself more money yeah. overall. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been Which doing this for me, so long. I was, going, I was going to mention to you, we need to get back into our thir- third Sunday of every month thing. Yes, we do. It's been – the worst part is, I'll admit it, 2019 has been a nightmare with trying to keep things on track. I mean, uh, me personally, I'll just say this. As of January 2019, or actually, let's just say it as of last month from the last five years, I live in a new place with my girlfriend. I also now have a new job. I still do my mm-hmm. old job, but I only do that for fun now, and I just do it a little bit here and there. On top of that, I'm also I'm also doing the SGX stuff that's a lot regular, and I, I'll tell you, it, it throws a lot of wrenches in regular planning schedules, but it's rewarding. And yeah. I don't, I, like I said, if I don't do it, who is going to do it? And on top of that, sometimes I know that every time I'm out there, I make sure that I give the best to everyone. I mean, I give the best, yeah. I want them to have the best, everything that they can as they're doing. And that's awesome. So, so yeah, that's one thing for mm-hmm. the, the listeners to look forward to. We will start having the, the third Sundays will be a, a regular thing. So we, we are going to maybe we work. should, we should tell the listeners exactly what that third anything is yeah. really based is. off of what it is. I mean, I guess we'll really have to dive into history now. Shoot. I mean, we're going to go back. I mean, back, right now, we're already, back. I mean, right now we're already talking our fifth OCR season and yeah. Yeah. This God, would have been, been my fifth Montana journey. if I didn't miss it. We really missed you, Mike. Honestly, we really did. In fact, uh, 
Serena and Justin were so awesome that they had a picture of you with them yes. the entire awesome. time. That is awesome. Which, just so you know, I will be back there next year, and my room is mine. So whoever had my room, are you time, they are you going to do the ultra? I uh, I need to. Yeah. Uh, I'm really tempting. I'm really thinking about it. So so I don't know. I haven't really thought about next year. I'm still trying to figure out this year. I mean, one thing that like the wife doesn't know yet, so I made sure to walk out of the room. So she can't hear me say this. Um, I've already signed up for for uh, uh, Tahoe. So I, I just have to Tahoe ask: to make up Is she mine. one of our listeners? No. No. Oh, good. That means that means yeah. the secret is safe between you, me, and all the listeners. And the other, and all the listeners. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so I've already signed up for Tahoe. I, I'm doing Tahoe as my makeup for Montana. So anybody who's here listening to this and is doing Tahoe, I need a race partner because I don't know who's running. So. <laughs> <laughs> I may be doing that one alone. <laughs> well, you're never alone on the course. That's one of the best things you have no. to remember. You're never alone. No. I'm still debating if so, I want to do the ultra or not, but uh... I haven't. I haven't planned. That. I'm still trying to get through this year. I want to get through this year. So as soon as I get through this year, and if I can figure out a lot of my medical issues that I'm trying to figure out, then I'll start planning next year. So yeah. Well, I got your back, bro. You know that. You know that. Oh, yeah. I am I always happy to help. Honestly, I, I I I have a special place for everyone that I'm willing to help. And then um, if you're part of my my inner circle. <laughs> then I would do anything off the bat for you. And if you're a beast OCR member or somebody from West Coast Obstacle, I still work my butt, my tail. Yeah. I mean, for, for those that don't know, me and Brandon literally met halfway through the Montana Beast in 2015. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, wow. So literally, long ago. That was I the feel like, oh, and we've done a lot since. I mean, yeah. Well, I, I personally, between you and I, we've done over 100 races together easily combined. Oh, yeah, easily. In the span of five years. I mean, yeah, yeah, easily over well, 100 races. I mean, I, I keep thinking because I look at my, like, wall of medals, and I'm like, that is a 10-year wall of medals. But then it was like I saw one of those Facebook memories that showed, like, four years ago and how many medals I had. There was, like, 10. And I'm like, really, most of those medals are all from the last four years. There's a couple, like, 10 that were from before those four years, from marathons and stuff like that. But really, most of those medals are the last four years. Well, at least you have a wall. I have all mine in a bucket, and I tell you, listen, that bucket is a pain in the neck. <laughs> yeah. I've got to get ready. I've got to actually, I've, I've been trying to think I haven't had a, a special spot for my 2019 medals yet. I need to get one because on June 9th, I should be adding another medal to that wall that's going to be very, very important to me. So, Is that the Rock and Roll Marathon? No. I'm not doing the Rock and Roll Marathon. I'm doing the Tunnel Marathon on June 9th. Oh. Well, I wish I could say that I would be there and supporting you, but sadly, there is a workout tour at the Everett Mall Mm -hmm. at Vitamin Shop, and I will be the coach leading it on, so... As you know, all our yeah, free I was gonna do that, but... workouts. <laughs> I was going to do that Shoot. workout, but then I realized, oh, no, I will be on Stokwame Pass trying to make sure that I can keep a 17-minute mile pace because the last marathon I did, I did it nine hours. This one I have to. There's a cutoff at seven and a half. So I have to finish in seven and a half hours. So I got to ask, when is your triathlon coming up? Because you got to be wanting to do a triathlon one of these days. I've talked about it. I've wanted to do one. My biggest problem is, and I am not a very strong swimmer. 
and I need you and me to uh, work on my swim. I've worked on my swimming, and, and that is my biggest fear: is that I might get out there and I'm going to drown. So <laughs> I don't have a fear of drowning. I have a fear of not doing it. <laughs> I don't so want to go out I there just to, not I, do it. Yeah, I want to do a triathlon. I have no problem with the run. I have no problem with the, the bike ride. I mean, one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is before, like, injuries earlier in life, I was a mountain biker, like, a lot. Like, every weekend I would mountain bike 20 or 30 miles, no problem, never even, never, what do you think about it? So, mountain, you know, biking is no problem to me. The running's no problem. It's the swim. I'm a very, very strong swimmer for about 20 feet. And then I have problems. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm a great swimmer, and I'm a very strong swimmer for about 20 feet. My problem is is I have a disconnect in my brain that I can't. It's either my feet or my hands. I can't do both at the same time. Okay, it's can't just a little right coordination way. thing. I have issues. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> you have a coordination, coordination thing that you just issues. need to figure out. Yeah, and so I have issues with trying to make them both work at the same time. So I end up, like, I've scuba dived. I was a certified scuba diver when I was 16, but that was all feet. You know, if you have a scuba dive, that's all with your feet. You use the fins and you kick, and that's why you get get around and use your hands a little bit the direction. But, you know, anytime I swim, it's pretty much all arms. If I'm scuba diving or snorkeling, it's all feet. There's never there's never really a time that it's both. So that's my problem with, with swimming a long distance. I tire out quickly because I'm only using one or the other. And it's just one so, of those things you have to train. I think you and I should do yeah. an Ironman one of these days. One of these days. So... I'm, I'm doing my marathon. I've got two marathons I'm signed up for this year because Don apparently wants me to die. But, um, <laughs> so. Well, he, he almost died in Montana for, without you. Yeah. He signed me up for the uh, the tunnel marathon in June 9th. And then in this November, I think it might be December 1st. One of these. Sometime the Seattle marathon, the 50th anniversary Seattle marathon, me and him are doing that as well. So, yeah. Because apparently he wants me to die. He hates me. Apparently after 40 or 30 something years, he wants me to die. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's take a quick break and do a commercial because I'm really bad about the commercial. I always forget it. So before I forget about it, let's take a quick break and uh, do the commercial. And then when we come back from commercial, I do want to talk more about the third. We started talking about the third Sunday and then we went off on a, a weird tangent, which apparently is very oh, normal for you me. And I could show, talk so. forever, but yeah, let's uh, we'll we'll dive yeah. into some history lessons. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Graves Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors. If you work up a sweat, Graves Harbor Unders are for you. Because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry. Even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com. For the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. All right, so we're back from break. So let, let, let's dive into this history lesson. So as we mentioned, both me and Brandon, Brandon's actually, he's an actual OG member. People consider me an OG member, but really I started when there was about 30 people. Brandon's one of the original 12. So he can definitely go back and give us some OG. So tell, give us some history on this, on, on the Beast OCR. Well, which some people may or may not know, we were originally not even called Beast OCR. Um, if, so, as everybody knows, Beast OCR is predominantly Washington, but it's branched out to other areas. And, I mean, really yes. big in Portland. And then we've got a lot of members in Idaho and even some in the small area of Montana and uh, a little bit of British Columbia. 
in Canada. But our team literally started at in December of 2014. Uh, that's our, that's our anniversary date. We had 14 people, 13 people go to what is called it's a it's a bar called the Swiss. We went there for happy hour. Uh, we literally got together. Drew Hooper, if you know him, I dubbed him Beastmaster. Um, yes. It wasn't until later though, but uh, Drew Hooper had his team of OCR. He called it South Sound Warriors, and he yeah. had this really cool helmet logo that we used to don. Uh, we used to, they, they, they were doing a couple of small events here and there. And then we literally, we got together at the Swiss. We talked for about four hours or so. Uh, I personally got off work in, uh, two hours early, just so I could drive down to beat traffic all the way from Bellevue to Tacoma. And I mean, I just, I liked all the people I met. Everybody was high energy. I mean, I had no idea what I was getting into. I was originally signed up to go do, uh, Tough Mudder, which I was just deathly afraid of because of what people were telling me, which... I had no idea. I'd never done anything like yeah. this before, but we were talking about, you know, we need to make sure that we have one day where it's nothing but our team every month. And it ended up being, well, what's the best time to train? And it's like, well, we don't want to train on the first month or the first Sunday of every month because a lot of holidays happen there. You don't want to do it on the last because same thing holidays. And we were thinking about it. And it's like, why don't we just do it the third Sunday of every month? And then we just looked at it and it ended up being, the special day was our training days, which was really cool because during 2015, we started training in, in January and that first workout, it was so cool because even though our original meeting, we had 14 people, only about six people still stuck around to actually go to our meetings and to go to our workouts and actually be a part and active of the team. Um, yeah, but in 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 January it was crazy because we had a person who was a personal trainer, um, and she, or she was also a pharmacist. And I'll tell you, she kicked our butts. Just she trained us hard. And uh, if anybody knows Jeff Lantor, which I have to throw this out there, he's my best friend who I brought and suckered into this crazy world because of that workout. He was so he was just dying from working out. They actually thought that he the physically one that I was going to die. I thought he was going to die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've heard about because I've heard he, he lost was his, gonna die. Oh, he thought he was going to die. But I mean, at the time, he was a smoker too, which a lot of people don't know. And look at him now; he's running ultras, and he's uh, he's always placing like top twenty in yep. age group a lot of the time too. Now, when he's really pushing himself. Um, I mean, and it all started from a workout just like that. What was really even cool about that was that was the first workout. The second workout was ran by uh, Drew's wife and her best friend, which they, her best friend was a yoga instructor. Then the third workout that I led, uh, my background was in martial arts. So it was really kind of cool because every single um, workout, you had a different um you had a different person of different athletic background. And then even so, yeah. it wasn't even just the workout that we loved. It was also the the social hour afterwards. We would do lunch. Um, I'll be honest, if it weren't for those trainings, I probably wouldn't have um I probably wouldn't have gone on to do bigger and better things because we so as I said that we originally were called South Sound Warriors. Then we merged with another team and then there was a vote. Our our team was pretty much predominantly Facebook uh, created, and then there was a survey for 
what the team names and the options that were out there. I really wish we were Orca, which stood for obstacle course racing assassins and it had this really cool little orca whale with the uh, with a little headband and a, a little uh, japanese katana in his hand it was so cute and it was like it would have been that the best awesome. logo ever <laughs> i mean it was just awesome i loved it um sadly orca Not didn't win orca. <laughs> well i mean that in another universe or another uh, alternate reality, we might have been the Orcas, yeah. but we somehow we landed on Beast OCR. And I'll admit, me and one of our other uh, original members of the team were kind of hesitant because, you know, there's the Spartan Beast, and we were calling ourselves Beast OCR. There could have been a lot of confusion with things, but, I um, mean, we evolved. Once we became Beast OCR, uh, we had the first big Spartan workout tour in February in Seattle, and a lot of mm-hmm. our team came together there. And then from there, we um, we started training. And I personally had no intention of doing the Montana Beast at all. I blame yeah. Coach Mike Anise, which some people know him because he's the coach yeah, who really I aspire to be. I honestly, when I'm coaching, I always look to be my inner Mike. I know I want to be my own coach, but I always think, where's my inner Mike? Uh, oh, yeah. He's one of the best. Coach Mike. Oh, Hands down, honestly, that guy. It, without that guy, honestly, I probably wouldn't have found myself doing what I'm doing. Because again, I went to that first workout, and he just asked me, think about doing a trifecta, and I said, no, maybe I'll do one next year. And of course, it just sat in that question for over a week, sat in my brain. And then we did our training together, and in March, and then everybody was talking about going to Montana for the trifecta, and I was just like. Uh, I got no desire to do that. I just want to do my my Spartan sprint in Washougal and, and then go ahead and get yeah. through my Tough Mudder. And, of course, after a week of hearing that, it started to dawn on me, why would I do a Spartan sprint, which is a third of the work, and just do redo everything next year? I don't want to do that. So some stupid thought in my head said, oh, well <laughs> – Everything, everything that everything that I objected that I said that I wouldn't be able to do a trifecta in in 2015 somehow got mustered all at once. So I was like, "How much is the race? Three hundred eighty nine dollars. I'm not going to afford that. No way can I do that." Then on our team page, somebody said, "Oh, you could volunteer and race." And it's like, "Oh, well, let's see what the shifts are." Going, I what? found a shift that I yeah. could. Yeah, you could race for free if you volunteer. You just have to get there super early and then get out there on the course the same day. And then I was just like, well, trick you. well, it worked too, I'll tell you that. Because yeah. <laughs> once I figured out I could do that, I was like, well, I don't have any way of getting there. And on our team page, there was like four different carpools that was listed. And I was like, hey, I I might be able to ride with somebody then if these people are leaving the same area. And then Sure enough, I caught myself a carpool with a lot of our, uh, with well, I think there was four of us, maybe five of us in the car. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, I don't have anywhere to stay. Of course, our team also yeah. had a house for Montana. And yeah. everything, I mean, it was just like, well, I personally don't have a reason not to do it. There's n- anything I can use to object. It just was just muddled over. And I mean, yeah. uh, history right there, because that 2015 Montana Beast isn't just history for me. It's history for our team. That was our first big race as a team. Beast OCR took their very first huge team picture in front. And I mean, it was, that was a long race. It was 
But you are a product of that because you you yeah. recognize the logo. You yeah. personally, if or I had not been part of the Facebook me. group and hadn't noticed Drew's logo on his shirt, I don't honestly think I would have finished that race. I was you know dumb. that that is I was like that is exactly to, why Drew made it. Yeah, I'm like I Drew, don't want to do this anymore. This was the stupidest idea I've ever had in my life. I don't know why I'm even on this mountain. And well, it was Drew right about that time in my brain that I saw that logo on Drew's shirt. And I'm like, I think I'm on you in that Facebook group. And Drew started talking <laughs> to me. And then I started talking to Drew. And the next thing you know, I was finishing that race. You know, that was the and, reason yeah. why he specifically created that team, though. The original team, Southside Warriors, which turned into Beast OCR, his original goal was to create a team that we could go to events all around the country and that you would go out there and you would see that logo and then you could just yeah. instantly be friends on course because it didn't matter how fast and you were going. It just mattered that you belong to the same family. He really wanted yeah. nothing but the family environment. And I tell you, and it's worked multiple times. And that's why one of the things why I'm so big about like the gear wearing gear or something that resonates on who you are. Like for you, you see that Superman logo and I know it's you. Like anytime I'm doing a race and I turn around and look behind me and I see that Superman logo catching up to me, ah, there's Brandon, you know, and that was the, the beast logo for me when I saw Drew was all of a sudden like, I know you. I mean, I don't know you, but I know that logo. So I'm going to say hi to you. And if I hadn't said, hey, I, I think I'm part of that Facebook group. I know that logo. I don't think I would have finished that race. And I mean, when me and Drew talked on the face on the Facebook page, he said I kind of had the same, you know, same thing for him. Is all of a sudden I was there, it was someone besides just Jason telling him to go that was there helping keeping him moving, you know, because a lot of people don't realize Drew before that race had, I mean, he was just coming back from pneumonia. He shouldn't have been on that now. So. No, but you know that's another reason why that very Sunday, the day after we finished the race, and. We had a little meeting at the house that we were staying at, and then that was when I dubbed him the Beastmaster because he had tamed the Montana Beast and not in his best yeah. condition either. And of course, I mean, uh, I mean, we we had so many different ideas with the team originally. I called him Beastmaster, and originally he was talking about uh, getting people to be in charge of certain areas, you know, like a North and South, because. Uh, originally our our workouts were voted on for location i think only one time it actually wasn't in tacoma only because everybody else finally voted a different location than tacoma yeah but i mean he wanted originally he, he said that he would uh he wanted every area to have a beast master and that was like your team leader or your your area um lead it, it's really kind of hard to say because we were we were so new at the time again in 2015 after that first race we were just so new and it, it's amazing what the team has actually turned into again yeah i look well, at i, I look at this. i i i will say this that part of drew's dream on that may come true here in the near future so just kind of keep your eyes open on what's going on so <laughs> yeah oh well again that everything that we ever wanted not that I have any inside knowledge. I am the director of Washington, so, I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, and at this point in time, I mean, you could have been referred to as a Beastmaster of, of Washington. <laughs> but I, I, I could, either but way, I though. Those things that have thought about, I, I, I really feel like Drew is the original Beastmaster. Drew is the Beastmaster. And Actually, I just, I, I, uh, 
I let him keep that title. You know, him oh, and the Beastmaster with the ferrets. I mean, I love the TV show Beastmaster, but I mean, I'm, <laughs> oh gosh, I got the TV show, the movie. That movie was amazing. I own that movie because it's amazing. But um, <laughs> Drew is the Beastmaster. I'm okay with the, the director of Washington title. So I, yeah. I, I don't want to be a Beastmaster. I mean, then I just I see really weird like. I mean, yeah, it's, my brain goes weird ways when you talk that way. So. <laughs> well, it's crazy too. Um... Even one thought that we used to have was, uh, if you remember the original B-shirts, I mean, the original B-shirts were black, and then they had the logo on it. And then there was the really cool ones. Right. And then uh, there was the cool ones that had that green stripe on the side. And what we used to to talk about was that only Beastmasters of your area would have the green stripes because it's kind of like a tiger earning its stripes. That used to be what we... I mean, it was a cool idea, and it would have been really cool if we still did it. But, of course, now it's just, you know, fashion over function right now when it comes to anything, yeah. when it comes to shoes or shirts or shorts or lack thereof at this point, you know. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. I mean, the, the group has grown, and and it's grown in leaps and bounds. I mean, I mean, honestly, when I joined, you know, back in 2015, right before Montana, there was 30 or 40 of us. And I mean, I think the last count when I looked at the page is almost there's over fifteen hundred. It's a I think we might even be running up to two thousand. Yeah, we had two thousand. It was a so. Yeah, it's funny too because in that first year, I remember when we were so excited when we hit two hundred members on the team page. But yeah. here's the other thing though: we also had members that don't have Facebook, so they were yeah. purely people we contacted only on the phone with. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's not. I mean. Out of those 2,000, not everyone is active, but we still have a pretty good group of active people. And, I mean, I, it's it's good. And, I mean, now, you know, in those, you know, years, now all of a sudden we're, we're a nonprofit. We're actually, you know, registered as a nonprofit organization. And, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes on now. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a board of directors. Um, there's all sorts of that. That cool stuff that, I mean, just to see the growth of the vision that Drew and that original 12 people had in that meeting, if I was to go back in time and my, to get my DeLorean and drive back to that day, how would you have believed me if I told you that in 2019, there's going to be over 2,000 members, that Beast OCR is going to be a nonprofit, a registered nonprofit organization, and it's going to be thriving in one of the biggest, if not the biggest team in the, you know, the Pacific Northwest, would you believe me? Apparently not, because you disappeared. Where'd you go? Brandon? Did I lose you? Brandon? I think I lost him. Brandon! Where'd you go? This is not good. He dropped. He dropped. He's calling back in. So we're going to have a little bit of a break there. So we'll try and figure out where he went. We'll have to edit that part out. He's, uh, he's messaging me. This is what I'm talking. So hopefully he's calling back. Brandon! Are you there? You back yet? I mean, I'm still on because I can see me recording. I'm still recording, so that's good. So about 52 minutes this is where I'm going to have to go back and kind of edit this out. So hopefully he's coming back. He said he's calling back in, I swear. Brandon, hello. Hello, Brandon, senor. I don't think he's calling me back. Where did he go? Well, this is not good. So what What did you miss? What, what, what was I saying when you got out? Um, You were talking about time travel, about if was. you had came to me and, and told me about Beast OCR, I would have looked at you and said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I honestly, I, I wouldn't believe you because, again, we weren't even called Beast OCR back then. So I would still have no idea what you're talking about. And I barely even know what South Sound Warriors was at that time. I mean, we were yeah. we were that name for, you know, 
barely two months before we changed our name. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'll it's just you, one of those things. I, I mean, to think that the, the group went from that 12 people sitting in a, you know, a bar at happy hour talking to now all of a sudden, you know, where there's 2000 people and everyone knows who we are. We have our own podcast. That podcast has been invited to Tahoe. I mean, it, it's, it's a huge growth. I mean, it's crazy. So, well, I'll tell you this. I mean, I remember one of the biggest reasons why, because I mean, it, it, so the original team, the, the original media was actually on meetup. It wasn't even on Facebook. So we yeah. all met on, at the Swiss and it was just, it's crazy just fathoming it because even before that, I was trying to put my own team together. And I'll be honest, I wasn't looking to join a team. I was looking to put together my own team and have my own training and everything. But I was curious to know what other, you know, groups were like once I had um, had experienced it too. Because I'll admit, I had one person who got me into OCR. She told me about Tough Mudder and how it was the most rewarding thing you'll do in your life, but it's one of the most challenging things. And so I, I done one of those. she, hmm? you never done one. I just don't ever done a tough product. I've never done tough mother. Oh, no. see, and I'll admit it. Spartan, Supposedly I'm supposed I, to be I, signed up for <laughs> September. Don, I think signed me up for that too. Cause he just likes to, he wants me to die. So, well, I'm signed up for September. So I'll see you there, bro. Yeah. So he well, wants me to die. So. I'll tell you this. Uh, and I, I say this a lot with my coaching is that, um, because I've done a lot of different OCRs. I always tell everybody, when you start an OCR, and a lot of people go, well, what's the entry-level OCR, or what's the really basic thing for a person to do to get their feet wet? And I say, well, you probably want to start off with like a mud run, just something that just kind of just kind of gets yeah. into it. Or if you really want, you can do like a warrior dash, which is, warrior dash is like kindergarten. It's a very, it's a very simple course, very basic, and you can walk around obstacles. And then if you want to get more like your fifth grade, seventh grade level stuff, you get into stuff like terrain race, uh, rugged maniac, and those are uh, those are a little more difficult. Same thing. You're not required to do all the obstacles, but they have bigger obstacles and they're a lot tougher. And if you're one of those people who tries to do everything, which you really should, those are should. again more more uh, right before you reach middle school. Honestly, to me, middle school is doing a tough mutter. Tough mutter. Uh, every time you do one, you get a different head, a different color headband for how many times you've done it. The first time you do it, you get an orange one, and then you get a different color based on whatever you've done. So I've done one. My next one, I have no idea what color I would get. But what they, what Tough Mudder did is they, they made your races all connected. They made it so you celebrate doing more than one race. And Spartan, which is a lot tougher because of the penalties, uh, the terrain, and I mean, the obstacles, but the penalty is the biggest one, doing 30 burpees. I mean, uh, so many people don't realize what they're capable of doing until they push themselves to doing it. But to me, your first trifecta is literally high school for Spartan. Your sprint, yeah, your sprint, which should be your first race, is your (laughs) freshman, sophomore year. Then your junior year is your super, which is twice the distance of your sprint. And then your beast is, that's your senior year. That is triple the distance of what you did on your sprint. If you can do all three, if you can do a beast, you're good to do the other two and vice versa. If you've done the other two, you've worked yourself up to a beast. Guess what? You got your first trifecta. That is done with high school. You are now graduated into the world of OCR. 
And then if you want to do more trifectas, any trifecta after your first one, that's, that's again, that's just like going to college. But the other thing is with Spartan, which I really like, is because everything is so connected. Not just your races, but all your other events. Because then you could do yeah. during stuff like your Hurricane Heat, your Agoji, but then there's stuff for like education in your mind, uh, your mind trifectas, like when you volunteer, uh, when you go to workout tours. I don't know if you know that or not, but the workout tours now have a Delta piece. And then SGX yeah. coaches like myself also have uh, Delta wedges we give out as well. So, I mean, and then you have your, your ultras, which, yeah, ultras are not on the spectrum of your high school at all. That is completely extra credit. That is totally college-level stuff for you, your OCR world. Yeah, that's like college-level trade school stuff. You stepped up and beyond. <laughs> I mean, I think I've done yeah, grad right, school because yeah. I, did, I did Hawaii's trifecta weekend, and I did it as yeah, an ultra weekend. Um, yeah. so. <laughs> so, I mean, you, I mean you, you're like me. You're, you're first intro into spartan was that founders race in 2000 oh that shouldn't have been i shouldn't have done i shouldn't have done my senior year as my first everything yeah yeah now that, that was pretty much all of us we all just kind of were like we're gonna go do this race and then all of a sudden we're like this was not a good idea but we did it anyway and then it was kind of well, you know for me it was one of those i did that race and then i was like well i have a free race because i volunteered in montana so i might as well do washougal so I did Washougal, and then they announced, hey, we're going to do a super in Seattle in September. And it's like, oh, well, I might as well do that. And now I've got my trifecta. So a lot of people don't realize the beast that's in in the the, the fall in Seattle the first year was actually a super. So oh, that's that how was a lot of back us got in 2015. Yeah, that that's was how 2015. That, that was trifecta. Yeah. Well, so. and I mean, you you and I talk about Montana so fondly, but in all reality, Montana's 2015 beast, that Founders beast, it was the real race that forged beast OCR because there were so many of yeah. us at different bases just huddling together. So many of us that traveled from a different area. So many of us came oh, yeah. together and stayed in the same house. Well, that That's what we do at every race now. I went back and like in Washougal, I ended up racing with, you know, Stevie and everyone else. And what we called the, uh, I think Jody was part of that group. I don't remember, but it, we, we called it the team turtle was, was what we raced in. And I remember thinking back in my head when we were doing Washougal, how many of those people I realized I saw in Montana, but we didn't have the shirts then. So none of us knew who we were looking at another beast member. It's like all of a sudden I remember seeing you, I passed you on the, the second log carry through the freaking swamp, you know, which they haven't done again. That was brutal. Oh, Do you remember that? gosh. So, uh, well, I, talk, I, I talked about that so much. I felt so bad. The guy that I was racing with, so what people don't realize is that 2015 Founders Beast was a 16-mile Spartan race, but if you included the carries and everything that. else, it was 16, excuse me. It was a 16-mile course, but it got clocked at 20 when you factored in the carries yeah. and everything else. So oh, yeah. it, was it was a, it was, a, it was not just long. It was brutal. And the carry you're referring to. Yes. I felt so bad. Cause what you, what you did was you started pretty much on top of a, of a hill. You started at the top of the hill, you went downhill and then you went around and then you ended up in water, which I want to say went up to at least four and a half feet. Yeah. And you well, had to carry your log the entire time. And the worst yeah. part is the guy I was racing with, he dropped his log in that water, which made it even heavier when he had to pull it off. And, I mean, it stuck 
to the ground yeah. in all that muck mm-hmm. because of everything just collecting at the bottom. I felt so bad for him, oh. and it, it was a nightmare. Oh, it was. And it wasn't, and I swear those logs were bigger. I mean, those were freaking huge logs that we were carrying around those, you know. And then they had, there was two of those, if I remember right. Yeah, it was, it was a brutal course. And, I mean, that was one of the things, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I've said it before on here, and I've told other people. When I finished, one of the first things I told my wife, I told Amber, I'm like, this was stupid. I don't ever want to do this again. And she just let me believe that. Yeah, she just let me believe that. And then on the way home, she's like, you know, we both volunteered. And she looked at me and said, after seeing what you went through, I am never doing that. But we have two free races because we both of us volunteered for before the Friday before the race. So we had two free races. And she's like, well, what are you going to do with those? And I'm like, well, I'll figure that out later. And then it was like, well, I might as well do Washougal. And then after that, it was, you know, they announced Montana or Seattle. And I'm like, well, I might as well do that. And by that time, I think you, I believe it was you, yes, you had talked me into joining street team. So Yeah, I'll admit it was my fault. Yeah. You know, so. again, I was originally supposed to just do a tough mutter, but by the end of that season, because of the Montana Beast, I finished out with a triple trifecta during my first year. And I've done triple yeah. or more every year since. Yeah. Yeah, I did trifecta that year, double the next, and then I got triple in seventeen. Went back into the double in eighteen because of because Hawaii got canceled and I didn't end up doing another a race. And it would have been a triple. That. Yeah, it would have been a triple if Hawaii didn't get canceled. And this year I'm I'm going for triple again. But to do triple, like I said, I have signed up for which I have not told my wife, but I have signed up for uh, Lake Tahoe. So to make up for Montana. So I'm supposed to be there anyway because Beastnet was actually invited by Spartan as part of Media Day. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna be there. I might as well do the race and get my trifecta. Well, you definitely have a place there at the venue. On and off the course. Oh yeah, I know, I know, I know. I've always got a place place with Brandon. So, <laughs> so what other things do you do with? I mean, I mean, you're you're kind of the one. I mean, in all honesty, the one that kind of got me into a lot of the extra stuff. I mean, there, there's another friend that got me into the beast and everything else, um, who's no longer part of the beast, but she got me into the beast. But you're the one that pretty much got me into street team, a lot of volunteering in the beast barracks, you know, in Montana and all of that fun stuff. I mean, yeah. So what else do you have planned? Oh gosh. What I don't have planned. I mean, (laughs) aside from doing, um, one thing I always advocate is that one, that every year you always do something you have not done the year before. I, I advocate that for your life, but I'll admit it for racing. Um, Every year, I keep adding new venues I've never done before. And again, um, if I do everything correctly, I might topple myself out uh, on a seven. But I mean, I, I plan to coach at a lot of the events. If you don't see me doing the SDX seat with my Superman shirt on, um, I will be at the coaching zone at some of them. I'm even at the open house at some of them. Um, so, Dallas uh, in October, I'm planning to do the Ultra on Saturday then turn around, do the regular beast on Sunday, and then get done in time to do the sprint. Um, that, that's I mean, there's, it's possible. I mean, I'm not, I'll admit I'm crazy, but I got friends that were crazier than me. I know people last year when they were doing the Tahoe beast on Saturday and then doing the Tahoe ultra on Sunday. And I felt just sick to my stomach thinking anybody wanted to do triple laps of Tahoe. I talk about Dallas, but Let's be honest. Tahoe, who wants to do three laps of that course? 
Apparently, don't, don't I got really I'm ambitious friends. For the first time. I'm yes, but the, thing, the difference is, but the difference is, is that uh, they don't do uh, open beast on Sunday anymore. It's now no Saturdays your your beast and the ultra on the same day. Sunday is now only the uh, qualified heat. Yeah, it's a little. So, it's going to be a little different. The format's different. Um, but I am like actually said, really looking forward to seeing the change. This, there's anybody listening to this that's doing Tahoe and is a turtle. <laughs> Let me know because I need someone to raise one. Just say. Oh, I'll admit it. Um, one of the biggest things I am actually looking really forward to is that this year I'll have mount. I'm going to have a series medal of everything. One of every type of series medal. Um, one honor series race. One stadium race. Um, I'm not done uh, stadium yet. You really should do them. They're really good. Honestly, I'm doing Dallas Stadium um, coming here in June. That's actually where I did my SGX work, uh, my workshop. But it's on a beautiful football field, and they just there's something that's just so rewarding about doing your your rope climb on the 50 yard line, dropping down and running to the end zone to get your medal. Again, it's been a couple of years since I've done it, but I've I really, really enjoy the stadium race there. Some people tell me that they won't yeah. go anywhere for something that's only worth a sprint, but it's like it's yeah. more than a sprint. But it's, Doing a stadium run is still an experience. Yeah. See, I keep wanting to. Kyle, Kyle you know Kyle, Kyle Peterson, who the, yeah. the rubbing it raw, rubbing it raw guy. Um, I met him in Montana a couple of years ago. He stayed at Beast Barracks. But uh, I see him all over the place, and I've been talking to him, and he keeps trying to convince me to come down to L.A., one of the LA stadium races and uh, telling me I could stay at his place right next to the beach. And I'm like, uh, it's tempting, but I'm afraid I would never want to leave. So. Well, that is an issue. I'll definitely admit that. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of places yeah. we've been to that we don't want to leave. Um, I mean, we've done the races. We've done races in Hawaii. Uh, I've done, a, I've done races in Canada and a lot of, um, a lot of California races. It's sometimes hard to leave when you're enjoying yourself and, but that's, that's See, the I want best to go to part California is that when something. you do leave, for what? I want to go to California for any race. I mean, it's one of those. I've done Hawaii. I've done races in Hawaii. I've done races in Montana. I've done races in Portland. Um, I've done races in Canada. But I would love to do California. I want to get out and do some more. And that's what I'm trying to think for next year. Is I think part of what next year is going to be is I want to focus more on some of the local races. But I want to go do races I've never done. Like again, I've done Hawaii year, now multiple times, but I want to go. I want to Florida that you've never done. I want to go try a Florida race. I want to try West Virginia, partly because, but I've always been afraid to go to West Virginia because I'm afraid I'm going to find relatives that I don't want to find. But because <laughs> my mom's my mom's entire family is from West Virginia, so I'm always afraid I'm going to be there. They're going to be like, "Oh, you're a Valentine." No, I'm not. But you know, so yeah. But I would like to say, um, hey. Your girlfriend's messaging me, telling me she'll do Turtle Speed Tahoe with me. So apparently she's listening to us while we're talking, which is kind of weird. But um, isn't that sweet of her? It is. It is. It is. I, I will always race with Jody. She knows that. Jody's got a special place in my heart for races. So um, her, between her, Stevie, and Serena, they're they're my race ones. So since my wife won't do a Spartan, so but she has done a Spartan, even though she said she never would. She still has. She hasn't done it. She's never. She's never done a Spartan. She's done Terrain. She's done Survivor. She's done Warrior, but she she will not do a Spartan. I've tried convincing her, but she keeps telling me no. She's not so, ready to graduate. I, That's all I'm going to say. No, no. She's from Renton. They never graduate anyway. 
So, <laughs> so, so we are we are hitting the one about the one hour mark. So, um, what what would you like to say to the listeners in closing? Honestly, whatever happens, and um, the first things first. At any time that you decide that you want to go ahead and race, make a friend. Make a random friend. Go volunteer. Yeah. Go get accommodated. Go meet other people who are doing the same thing that you're doing. Go stay with people that you've never stayed with before. Honestly, that's exactly what happened with our team, and that's how our team really came together. It was a bunch of strangers that came to a bar that got together and started training on a regular basis. A bunch of strangers drove in cars together, stayed in houses together, and then ended up doing a race in Look at the legacy that we have. I mean, year one, 2015, we ended out the year with 200 somewhat team members. And now here we are five years later, and we have we have 10 times that now. And it's not about yes. how many members are in your group. What it is is how many people are affected and touched in your group. And I'll tell you, uh, my life has changed every single year. It has changed at a very drastic rate. And it wouldn't be without the growth of everybody else having me to grow something with. And I, I probably have grown a lot of people too. And they just, I have no idea. I think you have too. I think, you know, I hear, you know, a lot of the names that are tossed around when they talk about people, you know, helping people grow is you, you know, Jesse, freaking Jeff, Elise, Adam, you know, everyone. And I mean, it's, it really depends on the person and what they've done. I mean, everyone's made mistakes, but at the same time, everyone, I think we've all helped somebody in some way. So, which is awesome. So, right on. So, yeah. So, other than that, I mean, like you said, we're about at the hour mark. I mean, it's been great talking to you. I feel like we could actually, you know, keep this episode going on for another hour or two, but. I oh, think, you know, probably could do it for a whole day, but yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the last thing is just look out for your, uh, look. At, always look at, at a race. Just look out for a guy who's got a Superman shirt. And just yell, Coach Brandon, see if he responds. Yeah, that's that's the best thing to do. Do that, and then um, the other is pretty Mike. So I still got <laughs> to. Like I said, I mean, in in Vegas, that was probably one of the coolest things for me is when Pikachu suddenly turned around and looked at me and is like, "I follow you on Instagram. It's nice to meet you." And I'm like, uh, "Pikachu, Pikachu knows who I am." So. Yeah. <laughs> have you met Spartachu? I, I want to get him on the podcast. Spartachu is amazing. I have he, not, he but I'm sure if we look hard enough, every we race, can catch him. He runs every race as Pikachu, as Pikachu. And I, I, I almost caught him in Vegas. But, yeah, got to catch them all. Got to catch him. Got to catch him. So, right on. So, thank you, Brandon, for, for joining me on, on this episode. And it was awesome talking to you. So It's been a pleasure to be so, here, yeah. Mike. Thank you again for having me All here, right. Pretty. Oh, anytime. So we'll definitely have to do this again. We waited way too long to do this the first time. So, All right. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon, and I will talk to you soon. All right. You have a good night. You too. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast brought to you by Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at Beast OCR.